You're listening to The Great Lakes Beacon, interviews and news from the 9th Coast Guard District. Welcome, everyone, to this uh, episode of The Great Lakes Beacon podcast. My name is uh, Lieutenant Austin Fulmer. And uh, if you've been with us uh, for a while now, you've probably listened to our first episode of Stronger Together. Uh, this is our second episode, so you'll you'll recall that Admiral Cottrell decided uh, a couple weeks ago to sit down with uh, members of District Nine uh, who are minority and uh, speak with them regarding their experiences here in District 9 and in the Coast Guard as a whole. So uh, we broke it into the three sessions. This is the second session. And uh, ma'am, is there anything that stood out for you? Anything we should look for in this session? Well, I think the um, the thing in this session that stood out was, um, you know, some of the discrimination that's still going on within our lifelines. Um and uh, which was disheartening to hear about. Um, but like the other session, it was also, I was also encouraged to hear that within our lifelines that, you know, there's a lot of shipmates ter- taking care of shipmates. And um, so that was good. I think we have a long way to go. I think um, these conversations will hopefully educate people and um, cause us all to do some introspection, um, regardless of our ethnicity. And um, just to pay more attention to how we treat one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that insight. I uh, definitely spent a lot of time myself thinking about the experiences that I heard when, when I was with you during that session. Uh, so thank you, Admiral. Without further ado, we'll uh, listen together to this second episode of the podcast series we're calling Stronger Together. Apologies for the delay. We have some technical difficulties here. Um, so I appreciate uh, appreciate you guys all calling in and uh, and uh, taking this opportunity. And I did a I did a um, what did we do? Thursday. Did our first call last Thursday and it went really really well. Um, I learned I learned a lot. Uh, we had five people. Five. That's, five people. That's my count. Five people on Thursday. So it ended up being a really good discussion. Um, I I learned an incredible amount. I think Master Chief learned something, and I know Lieutenant Fulmer learned something. So that's why we're here. I mean, to have this discussion and um, uh, really kind of learn from your experiences and give you a chance to just talk about your own experiences. So hopefully you had a chance to think about beforehand what you wanted to talk about. Um, but with that, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to um, – we'll start, let's start with Ensign uh, Clancy. Dr. Buffalo, why don't you go first, Samson? Good morning, Admiral. Uh, Master Chief. So, I would just, uh, start off with a little bit of my background. Uh, so, I'm coming through with the CSIRE program. That was my, and then uh, just recently graduated from OCS. So, that was my commissioning source. And I went to San Diego State University, graduated with the uh, degree in international security. And here I am at Sector Buffalo with emergency management and force readiness. And I would just like to say that. Being in the Coast Guard has been a great experience so far, and it's definitely been an open experience. So there's a lot of diversity, a lot of inclusiveness, and that's one thing that I pride the uh, Coast Guard for uh, compared to the other service branches. There's just the feeling of wholeness and familyness and knowing that my fellowship mates, that they'll be there for me no matter what. And if I were to encounter any kind of problem, I know that I could rely on them to be a support and have that support network for me. Uh, in my relatively short career in the Coast Guard, there has been, I wouldn't say many problems uh, regarding the 
having to do with the color of my skin or anything like that, but being with the ceasefire program, there is a certain stigma that comes along with that. Uh, as some of you may know, uh, ceasefire is primarily for uh, minority serving institutions. And so with that, it, it kind of inadvertently shows that the ceasefire program is meant for our caters to minorities. And so, and then just, it's a, it's a way for minorities to have more of a uh, force inside of the uh, commission workforce. And so uh, just with that, there was, I would say multiple instances in which, uh, in which when I describe my background being from C-SPY, there's with a, a particular person, I don't want to go too far in detail with it, but um, with this particular person, when I, when I mentioned my C-SPY background, it was kind of, well, that CSPI is put in place for, you know, African-Americans and, and Latino students, but what that just makes it, that shows that the Coast Guard is pandering towards, you know, that minority, uh, the, towards minorities. But what about non-minorities? What about, uh, you know, those who are white and who feel like we should also have some kind of program to where we should be able to uh, become officers in the Coast Guard and go to OCS or, or to the Academy? And so that when I heard that it just made me realize that ceasefire will continue to have the stigma and there's people who genuinely believe that the Coast Guard is putting this primarily just to cater to you know black people pretty much and and after having that discussion with them telling them that wasn't the case it it just uh, it just goes to show that you can have these programs out there to to kind of equal the playing field to to have inclusiveness and to show that people of color can become officers and there can be you know there's there can be people out there who represent the enlisted workforce and there's people who don't believe that that should be a thing or that shouldn't the coast guard shouldn't do that and so that uh, coming to terms with that as was when I heard that it was it was pretty difficult to kind of understand where he was coming from but. I mean, I, I just kind of push that to the side and, and don't let that kind of be my perspective of the Coast Guard. There's, of course, bad apples everywhere, but that's not, a, that's not the Coast Guard. And, and from what I've seen, the Coast Guard does an amazing job at just making sure that the needs of its people and its service members are being met, and especially for those of color who feel like they've been wronged by any of their fellow shipmates or their command or anyone, there's always someone that you can go to. And so... I, I pride the Coast Guard again on that, and 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 for me especially. So yeah, that's pretty much what I want to share. So I did not realize. Um, I guess I never thought about there was a stigma with ceasefire. Um, I know, I know actually several ceasefire you know, officers that went that route, and um, I, I know I just never thought about it. You know, the funny, funny. Maybe not funny. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a there's a little tension between academy and OCS officers, also, right? Um, so there's there's I wouldn't call it a stigma, but you know, there's a kind of friendly rivalry. Um, but uh, but one of the things, you know, I think the words pandering to or catering are the wrong words, right? I mean, those are just the wrong words. We are we are seeking out the best and brightest of all races and ceasefire is one avenue for us to do that um and um so 
you know, other, you know, people, non-minorities have other avenues that are available to them. And I used to hear this a lot with, um, uh, you know, people that work for me, enlisted folks that were interested in going to OCS, and you know, they would say something like, well, I'm just not even talking about because I'm not a woman or I'm not, you know, a minority. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. If you want to apply, apply, right? And I'll never get picked up. Well, you will never get picked up if you don't apply. So that's a true statement. Um, but I think a lot of it was just an excuse to not apply to, you know, because they're afraid of being rejected or whatever. Um, but yeah, stick your guns and just let people know, hey, no, it's C5 is just a way for us to, to reach the best and brightest in, you know, a different demographic. That's all it is. And that's probably not the, like, textbook definition of C5, but that's Amalcocco's definition. So. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. So, thank you, yeah, you're welcome. So, Carol, can I, yeah. Can I add to that? Because I also am familiar with the C-SPY program, and I, I believe the requirement is just to attend a, a historic or a college with over 50% minority or historically black college. I've known a lot of uh, white people that went through the C-SPY program as well. They just attended a historically black college. So it's not just for minorities. It's the requirement is just to attend one of the colleges that meet the specification. I think that was that is true. I don't know if that's still. I don't know if that's still possible. But I but I know that's that's true. I know several. I know several officers that that, that attend C five. And more more minority officers than have so. Abro, can I just add to that as well? Yeah. Um. And and yes, it's a. I as just graduate OCS and inside of my class there were I would say uh, 11, 11 to twelve uh, C spy um, C spy prior C spy members in the class and out of the twelve at least uh, if, if I'm remembering correctly five of them were were white and so and kind of what I what I tell to to those who who believe that the C spy program is primarily there just to cater to the and, and that's not the right word uh, but that's kind of the word that that they believe that it's a uh, you know describes a seats by program is it's not it's not there it's not put in place to cater to the black community it's it's there to like you said uh to bring in officers from a different demographic that the best and brightest and sometimes you know um, before the program was in place it's easy to kind of over overlook that and so and and, and like i said it, it's not there just for minorities it's it's there to, to yes, allow minorities to to progress through the 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 commission ranks, but it's not just for 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 minorities. Right. So. right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Thank you. Uh, hey, so, Admiral, can, can I add a comment there? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so while I do uh, agree that yes, other people other than people of color can benefit from programs such as CSPI. I think the intent of that program was to increase the number of minority officers entering the Coast Guard, correct? Yes. Yes. So I, so I think it's okay if someone is to say, yes, we are trying to increase the number of, uh, you know, black and brown, yellow officers in the Coast Guard. And, and that's okay because we know that's going to increase the uh, efficiency and um, better our organization as a whole. So it, I think it, it's okay to say, yes, this is a program that's targeting people of color and, and no one should have to apologize for that 
because we realized that there is a, a lack of that participation in the organization and we are trying to uh, rectify that with, with programs such as these. So I, um, I can see how Winston Clancy, you know, when he, when he hears that comment, it, it, it can, I think, come across very personal as, as if saying like, you, why don't you see the need for me to be in this organization? Why don't you see the value in having me here? I think is, is how that, whether that was the intent of that comment or not, I think that's sometimes how that can be um, perceived. And I don't want to speak for you, Ensign Clancy, um, but I, I have heard comments like that myself and I have had those feelings. So, and, and they're just feelings. They're, they're, they're not facts, but um, I think sometimes people don't realize maybe how their comments come across. Thank you, Lieutenant. No, I, I, I completely agree. Completely agree. Don't you think that I'm adding value, right? There's sort of an implicit message there, right? Yeah. Um, well, let me go to, um, let me jump up to so Chief Long. Thanks for joining us. Um, let, me let me jump up to OS1 uh, Huggins. OS1? Hey, good morning, Admiral. So, um, I mean, my, my story and my, my, my perspective, if you will, um, it really started when I was a non-rate, uh, my first unit in, in Philly. I mean, of course, during the Coast Guard, I came out uh, straight out of high school. Um, it's like most, most of our members, but, uh, you know, I was timid. I was, uh, didn't know what to expect, you know, being raised by a single parent, you know, and my mother raised me the best she could, uh, you know, I didn't know what to expect joining the Coast Guard, especially coming from uh, Cleveland as, as a, you know, I'm still home and it's good to be back, but uh, I didn't know what to expect in the Coast Guard. So when I, when I went to my first unit, you know, it was a small unit, but I, I was uh, one of the only uh, black members that was there. Uh, one of the biggest things that uh, was, a, I guess, an eye opener for me and a game changer with, uh, from my perspective in the Coast Guard of being a, a, a black male and black man in the, in the Coast Guard was that, you know, my, my shop was already small, but we weren't afraid to have discussions about uh, each other's background, about where we grew up, where we, where we came from, what, what made us, you know, who we were at the time. Uh, my, my shop was also diverse. I mean, I was the only uh, black person or I was, I was one of many minorities on at my unit. And so uh, I think the, Again, an eye opener for me was just being able to have that open conversation with, uh, from my from my immediate supervisor all the way up to my my chief. You know, just being able to to compare and 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 talk about and you know see see everyone's perspective and how how our different cultures sometimes collide, but also how they blend together. Uh, and and I think the Coast Guard is doing is still continuing to improve on our diversity and inclusion, but we're doing a we are going in the right direction for uh, ensuring that not just everyone, uh, no matter what minority you are, it feels included, but also so we as a Coast Guard and as individual members uh, understand everyone's background and where we come from and where we stand. Um, my next unit following that one was also a game changer for me. Uh, once I became an OS three, you know, I was, there was more, I was a bigger, bigger unit and, and there was, uh, I wasn't the only uh, black member at the time as well. But, uh, again, another, another eye opener for me was, uh, just being able to have that open discussion. Um, and not being, I, you know, again, coming out of high school, I was timid. I was, didn't really like, I was very bashful, shy, but, uh, 
I, I think it was that ability or that, I guess, breaking down that wall and being able to uh, not just talk about everyone's, you know, culture or about my background, but being able to listen, especially to uh, the different um, problems that people may have encountered at their first unit or even like even like today, you know, hearing about Anson Clancy, you know, and, and unfortunately some of the uh, some people's uh, perspective of C-SPY and what that program is, you know, I'm, I am aspiring to be an officer myself and go through OCS once I uh, finish my degree or once I'm nearing the end of my degree uh, here at D9. But, you know, it's, it's uh, that those conversations that we have amongst not just our units, but as a whole um, in order to, you, you know, understand each other one, one, one another better. And that's what, I, I believe it's that environment that we create uh, is what draws more, uh, not just, I see people in general, but especially minorities, especially African-Americans uh, into our into our Coast Guard um, is that environment that we create. And we're responsible for how we mend and how we, um, how we mend and how we tend to, uh, and how we culture said environment. Um, so I personally hold myself responsible and accountable for whatever type of environment, no matter what unit I've been to, whether it's my first one or district nine, you know, I know that I play a part in the environment that, that is, you know, wherever I work in. And so I am thankful that even here at district nine, that I have that opportunity to speak and to, uh, voice, not just my, my necessarily opinion, but also to, uh, become educated and to have that ability to listen to other people and where, and where they've come from and kind of, uh, you, you know, compare and contrast and learn from other people's experiences as well as my own. So I'm really glad to hear that you had those positive experiences in the beginning. I mean, not everybody does. Even minorities sometimes, I mean, majorities don't have good experiences their first unit. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think those discussions are key. Um, what, I, what I tell people a lot of times is, you know, everybody's got a story. And, you know, being able to hear someone else's story and then listen, you know, listen to their story, um, you know, you, you lose the labels that way, I think, right? Once I hear someone's story, then I lose the label. They're not just, oh, you know, that's that, you know, Puerto Rican petty officer or that's that, Afri you know, that's that female ensign or something like that. People have put labels on, on people. But once you hear their story, then they're a person, right? They have a name, right? And um, Yes, I do. Yeah, so I think that's really important. So. I think the biggest thing, Admiral, for me in, in my first unit, especially in my first unit, you know, being as young as I was, um, that really changed my my perspective, uh, not just of getting outside of Cleveland, but especially in the Coast Guard, was the fact that when people uh, when people actually take the time to listen. I mean, everyone, I said, everyone has a story, um, but it's a matter of of people actually uh, showing not necessarily empathy, but but trying to understand, you know, because ultimately everyone's not going to understand one another's background or how difficult it was, but it's, it's having that, that heart of understanding or trying to understand where someone was, where came from trying to put themselves in your shoes. And, and then with that, with that newfound understanding or with, or with trying to comprehend what one individual's background and where they came from, it, again, it's, it's, uh, creating a, a culture of respect from that and that, like you said, Admiral, you don't just see someone for their, for their race, for their ethnicity, for their, for their, you know, whether for their gender 
or even for their beliefs, but you, but you see them, you see them as a person, you know, as, you know, someone wearing blue who is on the same side, the same team and trying to accomplish the same mission and uh, understanding that, you know, that's what makes, that's what makes the Coast Guard a, a unique and growing service is that we are, you know, again, trying and striving for uh, this environment, this, this culture of respect and, and diversity. Great. Yes. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot. Okay, let me uh, let me jump down to Lieutenant Jones. I say jump down. That's where you're on my screen. I don't know what you where you see each other on the screen, but you're actually right in the middle, Lieutenant. So go ahead. All right. Thank you, Admiral. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your day to to have this call. I appreciate it. Um. I kind of prepared some remarks here, so I apologize, but it feels like I'm reading, but I just wanted to make sure I was communicating um, the best way possible. Um, as a, uh, a biracial person, having a, a white mother and a black father, um, race has certainly played a central role in my life. Uh, throughout my adolescence, I've, I've been subject to prejudice from both black and white people in very overt and uh, subtle ways. Uh, since joining the Coast Guard, however, I can say I've never been blatantly demeaned or discounted because of my skin color, which I think most of America equates to racist behavior. Um, though there have certainly been times when a joke has gone too far or I've been in earshot of a discussion that carries racial undertones. Uh, every time I've had to make a choice between confronting that behavior or holding my tongue in the aim of maintaining unit cohesiveness or even self-preservation, uh, to my own disappointment, as I sit here today, I, I've often decided to address these affronts um, with an attempt to change the subject or make a joke of my own or even ignore it altogether. Uh, these are my choices. Uh, these are my choices and similar choices. Uh, I assume every minority in the Coast Guard makes at some point or another. Um, and when I say minority, I think that runs the gamut of the color of people, you know, sex, sexual orientation, et cetera. Um, I think it's these small situations that, like ones I've just described that alienate people um, of color within our organization. Um, most recently and, and more specifically, I felt the same sense of alienation as le levels of leadership have shown resistance to the issues of race in our country. Um, I feel like when the, the commandant and our admirals make statements specifically addressing the racial history of our country and the struggles of black America and, and taking the time to explicitly say uh, black America, uh, but then lo local leadership fails to mention these things in a timely manner or insinuate they don't agree. I, I guess I can't help but interpret this as a lack of sin sincerity and empathy. And it's uh, it makes it difficult to show up to work when you don't trust your leadership to have your best interests at heart. Um, and I can't speak to, you know, people's intentions. I can just speak to their actions and, and you know, how I interpret those actions. Um but there's also been better moments recently. Um, I've encountered other leaders and colleagues that simply took the time to check in. Some of these people have even mentioned how recent events have forced them to engage their children on topics of race in America, and that perhaps colorblindness uh, is not even the best mindset. Um, I find this empathy encouraging, and um, you know perhaps it's an uh, indication that we're you know at a real turning point when we talk about um, race race in our country. That's all I have. Thank you. I'm sorry that you know you know our leadership isn't as engaged as it should be. Um, I 
take some ownership in that, and um, we're trying to do better. I think even the person that feels they're, you know, well, nobody's without bias, right? I mean, that, that's just a fact of life. But, you know, even the person that thinks they're the most open-minded person in the world can still learn something from the most recent events. I think we can all learn, you know, learn something here and be, be even more open-minded. I was reading a book last night, and it, and it wasn't anything about race. It was actually about training your dog. But the, the author is trying to set up this idea of having an open mind when you're reading it. So she describes a, a room with walls and no windows. So if you enter a room with walls and no windows, you're not going to be able to see outside. You don't really know what's happening. And uh, but she wanted you to have like some windows to look out and at least agree to have windows and open the shades and, and look out, you know. So I think that's what we're doing. We're opening the windows more, we're drawing the you know, we're pulling the shades up and we're looking out so that we can uh have a different perspective. And uh, that's what we're trying to accomplish. So um so thanks for your um th yeah, thanks for your story. That's really good. And you know, I, I think the calculus that you make with those, you know. Each time you hear something or somebody does something, that's absolutely common among, I think, a lot of people, you know, pretty much everybody, but especially minorities and, and women, it, you know. And some of it, like you said, some of it's self-preservation. Some of it's like, oh, I'm not sure if this is worth it or not. And I wouldn't feel bad about the times that you haven't confronted it. I mean, you just you make, you know, individual choices. And um, sometimes it's better to do it in private, right? And I'll take someone aside, you know, especially if you thought this person was just talking in ignorance rather than maliciousness. Um, there's a, there's a, an opportunity to educate. So thank you. Um, I'm going to go down to uh, Seaman Lee. You still there? Yes, I'm here, Edmond. Okay. What do you get? What do you have? What's your story? Um, thank you, Um, I just graduated from boot camp of a few months ago. Okay. And in the boot camp, there was some. I I had some racism in there. Like there was some shimmer who made feel made feel bad and make fun of my eye look and made fun of my country or pronunciation. Um, as an Asian. Um, usually I get teased because of my accent or wrong way of using terms and also because I lived in different culture in different country there are some times that I don't get some jokes or terms they use in conversation but um but it the teasing only happened in graduate I mean boot camp um as soon as I got to my unit they usually explain the meaning of the terms to me and teach me how to use the term. Or when I get, don't get the joke, try, they try to explain to me the, why, why the joke was funny. I think that's the good part I always appreciate. Um, sometimes the jokes go too far and, and I just, want others to know that we are all different and I understand that this person who is not saying is natural, but because there is someone from foreign country can speak English well, or has a different color, um, skin color or accent, it doesn't mean that person is stupid or have some physical or mental problems. I just want to say that 
don't say something that would, you would want you wouldn't want to hear from others like as coast guard model like respect people like respect your mate others and your mates too um this i all i got for now from your fellow recruits yes yeah okay well you know people show up i don't want to make excuses for people but when you show up to boot camp a lot you learn a lot in boot camp right about how to yes. treat people and, and um, hopefully they learn uh, uh more about how to respect people but one of the things that i would say to people especially if they're making fun of your accent or you know the the, the, the you know trying to be able to pick on the context of things is so where are you where where are you from i'm from south korea Korea, South Korea. Okay. So you speak Korean? Yes, I speak Korean. You speak any other languages? Uh, I speak a little bit of Japanese. Okay. So, so multilingual. You speak Korean, Japanese, and English. And someone wants to make fun of your English, I would say, hey, you know, let's talk in Korean and see what you sound like, right? I mean, they probably would sound not very smart, but. Um, yeah, absolutely not stupid, right? With uh, yeah, I know one language, so kudos to you for knowing three. And um, you know, and the more you the, the, the more you know, the more you pick it up. And I'm glad the unit is you know explaining things to you and explaining the context of things. And you know, if jokes go too far. Don't be afraid to you know say something to your supervisor or to the person. You know, if you feel uncomfortable, like in a big group, then you can you can say something to them later. Sometimes that's better. Um, but thank you for sharing that. Yes, thank you, Adamo. Sure. Okay, let's go to Lieutenant Commander Hawk. Uh, good morning, Admiral. Good morning, Master Chief. Uh, good morning, everyone on the line. Uh, I first uh, start off by saying this: this forum is is great. Um, I don't know where it will go, but it's it's great. Um, I've spent twenty five years in the Coast Guard. So I have a lot of experiences. A lot of what I'm about to say will probably uh, echo, um, which uh, most of everyone has already said, especially Lieutenant Jones. I think he peeked at my notes or something. But um, I'm going to start with a, a story. Uh, my first unit out of the Coast Guard, I was on the 270 out of Portsmouth. Uh, it was following a day in uh, port in, out of Key West. One of the deckies had woke up with scratches all on his arm. And he was wondering how they get these scratches. It was a wild night. Um, one of the deckies that knew what happened said, hey, yeah, you were jumping fences and you were wrestling bikes and blah, 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 blah. And then he said, oh, and seemed relieved. Oh, I thought I killed me an N-word. So at that point, new in the Coast Guard, uh, non-raid, I'm like, wow. And I, I looked around and... No one really said nothing. You're gonna see that it was an uncomfortable comment. Everybody knew it was uncomfortable, but no one uh, confronted them. No one said anything. So at that point, uh, with most of everyone on this panel probably did, is they have a support group or somebody they run things by just to to, to vent or talk. So I talked to uh, minority petty officers, and they were outraged. But again, nothing was done. So. I'm sure with minorities, and when I say minorities, I'm saying black, Asian, Hispanic, even women, when you're confronted with something like that, 
you have a decision to make, just like I had a decision to make 24 years ago when that happened. Do I really want to be part of the Coast Guard or do I want to get out because I can't deal with this? Luckily, I, I decided to stay in the Coast Guard 24 plus years later, but I know a lot of people that were faced with that decision and personally know them as, as friends that got out. So the Coast Guard lost a lot of talented people, a lot of diversity through um, not being able to um, really make the minorities feel comfortable. Um, I, I, I will say, like I said, my story is two part. One is that we're losing the talent and two is it's it's not just enough now for the majority members to say I'm not racist. It's now time that they have to challenge it and combat it and confront it. I know, like Lieutenant Jones said, it's a tough thing to confront it because you're looking at what's going to happen. Um, if I say something, I said you offended me. Okay, says sorry, but does that change the mindset? Does that change the person? No, they just will be careful or try to be careful in saying something in front of me next time. And then I'm placed with a stigma of, oh, you're just, uh, you know, a line is drawn and people are thinking, oh, you're just a, a snitch or you're sensitive. I can't say anything around you. I can't joke around you. And you're, you're ostracized and put to the side. So, um, like I said, I'm coming down to the, the, the end of my career, but I I feel hopeful that those behind me or coming up don't have to experience uh, the stuff that, that, that I may experience. So that's why I'm taking the time out to, to do this. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll change somebody or get the conversation rolling because we have to start that uncomfortable conversation within the Coast Guard, which a lot of people, to this day, do not think the Coast Guard has a diversity issue or issues with minorities. But, I mean, the Colonel is doing a great job saying, we have a problem and we're trying to fix it. So if the top guy is saying there's a problem, then everyone, in order to change the problem, the first thing you have to do is accept and, and that we have a problem and we need to fix it. So I'll step off my soapbox now and... Uh, Pass it back. Um, yeah, that was a great story. I'm, I'm sorry that occurred to you. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, and I'm sorry that someone else didn't speak up. Obviously, you know, as a non-rate, you're probably pretty new. Uh, probably felt pretty uncomfortable to speak up at that point. But I'm sure there was some more senior people there that could have spoke up. And a lot of times it just takes one person to speak up for someone else. And then other people will speak up too because like you said it was an uncomfortable situation people knew um that what that person said was wrong and um they just didn't call him out on it right and um sometimes you know I, I said before about you know sometimes you you can approach somebody in private and, and have a conversation but a lot of times you you have to do it in public you know especially if you're a leader and you're in a leadership role and someone says something totally inappropriate like that like what happened to you the leader absolutely has to call that person out because they made the comment in public. They have to be called out in public so that everyone realizes that that's watching that that's not appropriate. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. Uh, so Chief Chief Long, 
But last but not least. <laughs> Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Mr. Chief. Good morning. So what? Uh, story, Chief. Yes, ma'am. Um, so, um, and thank you for having me in uh, this 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 platform and this. Um, it, well, it's, it's awesome, and I really appreciate the, this opportunity. Um, and actually, this has been the first opportunity uh, I've been in just over twenty three years, and uh, this has been, I think, the first opportunity I've had to actually tell this story without uh, feelings of um, backlash. So I'll start my story off uh, with um, why I joined. I, I, I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, and uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, uh, family members or people around me who actually uh, did something with their lives. Um, a lot of my family members who did join Navy, Army, um, Marines, and no one joined the Coast Guard. So I dared to be different as usual. Um, that's the type of person I am. Um, and so I joined. Um, now, on my first unit, well, even in boot camp, I have to unfortunately say that every unit I've been to, I've experienced some type of discrimination, um, whether it's through a comment or overt, covert. Um, uh, and, and I know the Coast Guard can't control this, but even in the communities that we are stationed at. Yeah. the good ones because you're in the military so i've been, i've had comments i was one from first in 1997 it was coast guard cutter chase um i had this mk1 um caucasian male who would refer to all the uh brown and black individuals that worked in his engineering department as boy um after a while and having a couple of conversations with my shipmates um, I decided I'm going to, you know, address this. And, um, and he, every time we would go do anything, any work detail, whatever, we were always, boy, come here, boy, come here. And so I addressed it and I don't think he liked the way that I addressed it. And I think in hindsight, um, I was only, you know, I just turned 19. I probably would have done things differently with what I know now, but, um, I basically made him aware that I will not accept any more of him calling me boy. Um, those marks from that, period are still in my record um of threes and twos for addressing that and um and i guess um raising that flag there now he was made to apologize but i think that i suffered um more than just you know more than just having to give an apology because when i went for ocs um and i think it was like 2000 maybe 2005 four um that those marks were actually brought up from that time period, um, you know, what happened here when I explained it, let's just say I didn't get a call back. Um, uh, and maybe that was just due to my response, but I'll move forward from that. So, um, again, uh, a lot of my experiences have been operation, uh, uh, career experiences have been operational or training centers from uh, Cape May to the Dauntless to the chase. Um, and I've, and like anything, there's, good things about the Coast Guard that I love, but that it has its opposite as well um, uh, about the Coast Guard that I just, I, I just didn't like. And I stayed in because my uncles were telling me, hey, if you, you know, you get into the Coast Guard, you get into the military, you stay there until you get a chance to retire. I wish I did. And I'm one of those ones that listened to my elders and said, okay, I'll do that. So that's why I really 
I, I just steamrolled through this whole thing and said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, uh, no matter what, I'm going to make it to 20. And I've done that successfully, thank God. So um, one of the uh, major things that I wanted to bring up was um, the unit right before this one. I was uh, a new chief. I just made chief, and this was my first unit as a chief. Uh, and it was ATC Mobile. And I was a little, you know, apprehensive about going to Mobile in the first place. But um, but once I got there, I realized the community was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. The housing was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it also uh, was due to the fact that they were had isolated most of the African-American people in Mobile in a city called Pritchard. And so whenever I would walk into a business, there were, you could see that they would look at me until I opened my mouth and said, good morning. That's when you could see the relief in their face of, oh, he talks normal. You know, there's no slang. There's no, you know, and that happened in Mobile. But so my experiences in the Coast Guard have been quite interesting where I've seen the growth. I've seen the maturity. I've seen the, the um, you know, things like this come up in leadership and uh, uh, leadership seminars and stuff like that where people are really trying to make changes. But um, I think that more of these need to happen. More people need to be here, not just of my skin color or, you know, not just of my gender, but just more open form where people feel like I can speak and there will be no backlash and nobody will look at me like, oh, you know, you want to be a victim because I've had to experience that as well. Again, I know that this took a little long, but I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to tell that story. Thank you. Thanks for sharing all that. That sounds pretty painful. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'm sorry that, that that happened to you. And All right, yeah. So um, we, uh, we've got five minutes left. Um, and, again, I just want to thank you all for uh, for participating and, uh, you know, for stepping up and, and being uh, courageous to, to tell your story and, um, you know, sharing with folks and what, what we – what I'm, my goal in all this is um, really twofold, right? To allow you to tell your story as you did and then to, to get other people to listen um, who may not look like you and get them to start thinking about more introspective about their own behaviors and the things that they say and do and, uh, and hopefully learn and uh, change their behaviors in a more positive way. So that we can have, we can be more inclusive. So um, again, thank you all very much. Um, and uh, is is there any alibis? We got you know time for a couple more uh, questions or, or comments. If you if you have something you want to add at the last minute here, uh, Admiral, uh, I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. Um, so what what would be your your uh, I guess your opinion on uh, just looking at the Marines and, and their recent. Uh, banning of the confederate flag what would be your opinion on that and then i can kind of with the coast guard as well uh taking direction or taking step in that direction yeah that was kind of funny you bring that up not funny haha but funny interesting funny interesting (laughs) so uh yeah the the coast guard is looking at that um we haven't come out with any policy yet but i was informed like two weeks ago i think by land area that that uh the coast guard's taking a close look at that um uh, you know, I don't, I'm not from the South, but I know that people from the South are, you know, have different views on what it means, but I can certainly see how other, uh, you know, how especially people of color would think, look at that much differently. So, um, 
my personal views, I can see how in the workplace it probably is not appropriate. I'll say that much. Um, but we don't have any Coast Guard policy out yet. So I have to tread it lightly here. I don't want to get ahead of Admiral Schultz. <laughs> um, but that's a great, that's a really good question. I mean, how, so let me let me ask you back for, for, uh, for Ensign, with, I mean, how do you feel about it? I believe that um, in the workplace, uh, if, if I were to see my supervisor with the Confederate flag, I would immediately uh, feel uncomfortable. Uh, there would be no open communication. Distrust would be there. Just because of no matter what their belief and the meaning is, if I see that knowing what I know, then I, it, it just there's no explanation for it. And so I just believe that just having a Confederate flag anywhere by anyone, there's already a disconnect and it destroys any type of unit cohesiveness, any type of unity, any type of feeling of familiarity or family. It just takes it all away as soon as I see that flyer because it's such a symbol of, of hate and there's there's no other way that I could possibly put that. And so just, I, would, I, I believe that banning it on at least military installations is this is the right uh, right direction to go if you if you genu genuinely believe that it is a symbol of your history or or whatever it is then you take that home and you leave it at home do not bring it to the base or do not bring it to your place of work because they're like i said the, the coast guard is diverse and you have to be cognizant of of what other people might feel when they see that because it's not it's not a symbol of unity. That for sure is, is what it's not. And so, is that, you know, thumbs up. Is that kind of how the rest of you feel? Yeah. Agreed, Admiral. Okay. All right. That's good. That's good to know. All right. So I will pass that up to leadership. We didn't talk about that in the last the last call. Uh, so that's good to it's good to hear that perspective. I appreciate that. So. All right, well, I'm going to sign off here, and uh, I wish you all the best day and a good night.